Welcome to the podcast where we talk to guests about five moments in their lives they'll never forget. This is Backstory with Steve Legg. It's fabulous to have you with me today on the new show, where I bring together an incredible array of stars of stage and screen, stand-up comedians and magicians, writers and artists, leaders and entrepreneurs to chat about the five significant times in their lives they'll never forget. It's great to have you here. And my guest today is Tanya Bright, the CEO of the National Fostering and Adoption Charity Home for Good. Their vision is to find a home for every child who needs one. Tan, as we all know her, is a seasoned public speaker, author and executive coach and has 20 years of experience in leading organisations, church ministry and a professional background in working in FTSE 100 companies. Tan is also an adoptive mum to two incredible boys. They live by the river in central London and enjoy mudlarking and supporting their inner city farm. Tan is also a great friend and we've enjoyed many days by the seaside, trips out and even a weekend in Ibiza to celebrate my 50th birthday. Tom, welcome to the show. Oh, Yay. thank you, Steve. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. We've missed you. We've Wonderful. not seen you for months and months and months. Oh, I know, I know. I can't wait until I can bring the boys back down to the seaside, Steve, with you and Becca, and uh, we'll just get straight into those fish and chips. <laughs> oh, man, don't. I do have fish and chips once a week, and oh. Oh, they're beautiful. You can't beat it. <laughs> By the seaside, can you? (laughs) It's not the same in sunny Deptford. So when I get the fish and chips takeaway, we just love our time down there with you, Steve. And we love having you. Tell us what it's what has it been like as a single mum in an apartment Mm -hmm. without a garden with two young boys (laughs) during lockdown? Can you talk about it? You're still having the healing of the memories. I was about to say, uh, (laughs) once I pick myself up from rocking in the corner, um, (laughs) it's. It's definitely been a challenge. I mean, I've been very fortunate, Steve, in as much as that the boys have had a school placement. Now, I know that for some families, that's not been the case and people have had to work full time and homeschool. But with the boys being adopted and some additional needs, as well as key working, as I've been doing, um, I have had them in school. And I tell you what, that has made all the difference to us and for regularity for the boys as well, of course, and just keeping them with a structure during the day, which sure. is so important. Oh, man, isn't it? Well, Tom, thanks for coming on the show. We've had all sorts of people on the show, comedians, <laughs> um, racing drivers. I had Nigel Ben phone me last night from Australia. <laughs> so <laughs> the Dark Destroyer. So it's, we've had some fascinating <laughs> people. So it's great yeah. to have you on the show. So we look at memories, and I know you're going to have some funny ones, because we laugh till we cry most times <laughs> we hang out. Um, tell, tell us about your first house. Oh, yeah. Well, I've had a very colourful life, uh, as you know, Steve, and I, I've, uh, before coming to faith, um, owned a few homes with with uh, different uh, partners. Uh, but the very first home, Steve, I bought myself was when I was 42. I'm nearly 48 now. And I bought number 42 Chantrell Court when I was 42. And it felt like such a mammoth task and achievement uh, to, to get the boys and I just settled and stable, particularly in central London as well. So uh, my first house, buying it on my own at 42, number 42. Oh, we love that. So how long left on the mortgage? 
Yeah, well, that's it. I think 78. <laughs> 2078? <laughs> well, I, I, let's just say a few more years to go yet, Steve. Love uh, it. I, either, that, either that, of course, or, uh, you know, the Lord does a, a, a miraculous financial wonder somewhere. <laughs> but I'm planning on working for a very long time. <laughs> This is the Backstory Podcast with Steve Legg and friends. Tom Bright, tell us about your first job. You must have had some fascinating <laughs> ones, I would imagine, over the years. Yeah, You've got to tell I us have. about some of them, but tell us about your first one. Well, I started working when I was about 12. Um, school and I weren't always the best fit, uh, and I found that I had more aptitude when doing part-time jobs for the weekends and an evening. And I've worked everywhere from hairdressers to greengrocers. Of course, I moved into the pubs and clubs. So I've been a sash girl carrying around trays of lager and other beverages uh, while walking around with interesting outfits, um, all the way through to selling insurance. And uh, my first proper job was for a job that I had no skills or qualifications to do, Steve. I put my CV in, which uh, it's fair to say was a bit evangelistic on the old truth front. And uh, I, I didn't, I didn't have any typing skills, but uh, I, I used to when I when I was asked to do typing of the letters, I would go and do it in a corner so no one could see that I was in fact using two fingers on the keyboard. <laughs> but uh, but I quickly upskilled and uh, and ended up, as you know, from those sorts of first jobs and temping to going on and working in big FTSE 100 organisations negotiating global contracts. So go figure. Well, I'm I'm staggered. How do you go from carrying trays of lager? And I must add, you must be great at arm wrestling. You must have very, very strong upper upper body and strength. Pints. Twelve pints. How much yeah, does that weigh? I, I don't know. I never I never worked it out. I could do twelve pints on each arm with a tray on each hand, and one on your head. <laughs> In the Guinness Book of Records. That's incredible. So seriously, how would you go from that to being a CEO? Well, this is um, just one of the lovely stories that I, I enjoy sharing because it's a real encouragement to younger people, particularly if school hasn't been a great fit for them, be it, you know, academically or otherwise. And I, by the time I started uh, working in companies as like an office junior and a temp, as I said, and what have you, I just went into with the mentality of, I'm going to learn everything I can. And so as I found people around me who were um, inspirational, I became aspirational. And I thought, right, I'm going to aspire to what they do and how they do it. And so I learned quite literally on the job. And you're right, then in my 40s, I've gone on to lead national organizations. So it just goes to show that with perseverance and always keeping a learning attitude, uh, it's incredible what 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 is uh, open to us in terms of opportunity. Are you supremely confident in life? No, I wouldn't say so. I think I've probably got um, uh, something called imposter syndrome, which I know yeah. particularly a lot of women can can struggle with. Obviously, it's not just just women, but I always assume, Steve, that there's someone out there who can do it better than I can. And now, the reality of that is, of course, there is, and there's always going to be. There's always going to be someone who can do it better than I can. But the question isn't who can do it better. It's, but I'm here right now. Sure. And, and I can do it right now. And actually, this is my chance to do it right now. And so I've made a decision in life that never to have fear hold me back from an opportunity 
even if I've not felt as though I've been the best person for the job. That's brilliant. This is Lieutenant Colombo, and you're listening to Steve Legg's Backstory Podcast. The most fun you can have without a cigar and a trench coat. All right, I think I've bothered you enough today. I'll let you go ahead and listen. Oh, one more thing. Enjoy the show. Okay, Tom, let's talk cars, because I remember my first car. I passed my test when I was 17. I was working for Barclays Bank. My uncle Cecil had died, so I ended up with his white Morris Marina. It was like a tank. It even had a choke in it. Do you remember chokes? I do, I do. I never had a car with one, but I do remember them. Couldn't believe it. There's brown, awful uh, seat covers. <laughs> Inside, it was terrible. And I kind of progressed. I went from a Morris Marina to a, to a Ford Capri, actually. And, um, uh, and You've got a lovely van now. It's a very nice van. So tell us about your first car and your motoring experiences. <laughs> well, like you, I started off my first car with a company car. And, uh, you know, it was one of those really quite sort of posh fleet cars. I vaguely remember it was a Subaru. And... Um, and I, I was with a partner at the time, and um, he had a Lotus as well. So out the front of our drive were two really rather nice cars. And it's fair to say, Steve, that I've regressed as I've gone through my Christian career <laughs> in as much as that um, I'm now with a, a Hyundai i10, which was Stop showing to off. me. <laughs> <laughs> it was gifted to me because my previous car had blown up and I couldn't afford to buy another one and uh, so yeah I, I've done a regression on the old car front so um, uh, it uh, uh, suits us fine though in terms of it gets them the boys and I to school and back and that's all about we need it for so uh, so I still feel blessed Fair enough Are you still checking the tyre pressure because I remember last time you came down I couldn't believe it <laughs> they were both about five or six and I know nothing about cars well, I know about cars and right in a blimmin' postage stamp but they should be about 34 <laughs> Actually, I've forgotten all about that, Steve. I have not checked those tyres since you last told me to check the tyres. Get on it. It's, it's really important. <laughs> You're listening to the Backstory Podcast with Steve Legg and friends. Sit back, relax and enjoy the memories. So we love Tom Bright and we love your boys. Mac and Charlie Aww. are wonderful. Tell us about adopting those boys. Oh, bless you, Steve. It's so lovely to have you in their lives. They love you, as you know, and, and Auntie Becca. Well, they often call you Uncle Becca or someone else Steve, altogether. Yeah. But... <laughs> Uncle Russ. Um, Uncle Russ, they call you. All the time. <laughs> um, but they love you very, very much. <laughs> and um, you play a big part in our lives, as you know. Um, yeah, I, I did something called fostering with concurrent adoption. And uh, uh, Charlie was seven days when he came to me. And Mac was 13 months. They're what's called a sibling group. So they're brothers, biological brothers. And they arrived with me at the same time. And um, I then went on to adopt them, which was the plan. Um, but with fostering with concurrent adoption, Steve, what it means is that sometimes children can be placed sooner rather than later with who will end up being their adoptive parent instead of being in multiple foster placements before. So it's better for the child and so yeah they are now literally just turning eight and Mac just turned nine and Mac the older one as you know Steve particularly has got some really challenging um, uh, issues uh, he has learning disabilities 
um, as well as something called fetal alcohol syndrome, which in effect means that his brain was affected uh, during um, gestation. So he has all sorts of challenges with reading, writing, maths. And so my job really for him at the moment, Stevie, is to try and help him with the strategies in life that can help him cope and become a really, you know, f- uh, contributing citizen. Um, but uh, it's certainly a, certainly a challenging road and it can be lonely as well, as you know, which is why I oftentimes end up down in, in sunny wording with the boys uh, and, and, and you and Becca supporting us as a family, for which we're so grateful. So how can we help people like you? In- There's so many ways. I mean, obviously, sort of COVID, you know, has impacted what people can practically do to support. But in more normal times, for any adoptive family or, or foster family, um just having some respite for a foster carer or an adoptive mm-hmm. parent is so important just to be able to get some breathing space back again. Because when children are struggling with regulation, extreme behaviours, challenges at school, it really can be quite a lonely experience for those who are caring for these children. And so I always say to churches, don't just look and see whether or not you might be a, a foster carer or an adoptive parent. And if that's for you, then great. But see where you can support a family who are already doing it, even if it's just down to meals, dropping a meal around every now and again so that an evening can be spent just talking and relaxing rather than, you know, cooking. So there's loads of ways that, that certainly people can really get in and support Steve that really helps people. Yeah, I remember, as you know, I was a single dad to four little ones yeah. from two, five, eight and 11. Strange names, oh, I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> boom, come on. And... Um, you know, people didn't really help me very much. I was really no, quite capable no. and it was just been so nice if yeah. someone had said, look, I'll babysit for free. Yeah. We won't charge you. Yeah. We'll babysit yeah. for free so you, can, so you can go to the pub with other adults. Yeah. And it's not a hard thing to do, is it? I think it's about intentionality, Steve. It's about being mindful that, you know, when you are a single parent and particularly if there are other challenges as well, you know, it's, it makes such a difference as to how, personally, from my point of view, how I feel I can cope just on that day-to-day, week-by-week basis, knowing I've maybe got one night a month where I can just go and sit somewhere and read and reflect and, and be on my own um, and having other people invest into the lives of my children as well. Just psychologically, it just it, it, it does wonders, absolute wonders. And it's a blessing for us as well. I love hanging out with Mac and Charlie. Yeah. Mac loves dogs and he's he's he's, no. he's fab, isn't he? Yeah, he's wonderful. And obviously Charlie just thinks that you are the best magician in the world, which of course you are. I wouldn't and disagree with him there. He still tells people about the wand trick. And <laughs> you know, it keeps collapsing every time he hands it to me. This wand keeps collapsing. And he tells everybody. And of course, people don't have a clue what he's going on about, but he's laughing <laughs> his head off while telling people. So that's all that matters. <laughs> In the latest bumper edition of Sorted magazine, big name exclusive interviews, Hollywood A-listers, TV adventurer Bear Grylls, inspirational true life stories, adrenaline-fueled sports features, all this plus gadgets, entertainment, motoring, movies and technology, plus probably the greatest team of Christian writers ever assembled. Available now from high street retailers nationwide or visit sortedmag.com. Sorted for men for life. What a joy it is to be chatting with my great friend, Tarn Bright. Tarn, um, last memory. Tell us about getting a tattoo. Oh, yeah, I only have the one. I am planning, actually, um, on having another one when COVID um, eases. 
But the one that I have uh, is on my lower back. Um, one might say the upper buttock. And um, <laughs> I, um, I came to faith, Steve, in my 20s and my mid-20s. And it was quite a dramatic coming uh, to faith. And my lifestyle, as it was, was you know, quite expressive and, and um, promiscuous. And I figured that if I got a tattoo on my body that branded me as a Christian, then that would help me be a better witness uh, in my life. And so I toddled off down to the tattoo parlor. And I thought, I'll have my nose pierced while I'm at it as well, as you do. And so uh, I said to the fellow, I'd, li- I'd like this Christian fish. And it, of course, I'd done a bit of Googling back then, and it was the Ixus mm. fish. And so I had um, my first and as of yet only tattoo of a Christian fish. Now, I was probably a good size oh, 8 to 10 uh, when I, I got that tattoo done. And, I, and I'm now a 16 plus. <laughs> so it's fair to say what was a fish is now... Uh, more of a whale, but, uh, it's, it's, but, but it still reminds me beautifully of the fact that my life belongs to Jesus. And uh, so that's my one and only tattoo. You're listening to the Backstory Podcast, where we remember the good times, the things you love, the things you are, the things you never want to lose. Tom Bright, thank you so much for giving us <laughs> half an hour of your time. Tell us about Home for Good, because you are the big cheese there. Oh, well, bless you. I've been in post since October 2020. Uh, As you referenced earlier, it's a charity that seeks to engage with the church to find homes for every child who needs one. During the pandemic, Steve, we've had a 40% increase of inquiries uh, as the people wanting to foster and adopt. And there's been a 44% increase through Bernardo's research of the need for foster carers. So our job is to literally get in there with people who are keen and interested and educate and inspire people to work with their local authorities and different adoption agencies to seek that wonderful safety and security for the most vulnerable of children. So it's the biggest privilege, I have to say, Steve. I mean, not only being an adoptive mum, as I am, as we've, we've looked at, but seeing how we can rally the church to help address this is just a humbling experience. Can I just finish on this, Steve? We've got 50,000 churches in the United Kingdom. And at present, we need over, we need about 11,000 families or individuals to step forward to foster or adopt. And in my very basic reckoning, that's one family or individual in every five churches across the country. And we could have a solution to this dilemma of children requiring love and support. And that, to me, is doable, mate. That Mm. is doable. So uh, watch this space and let's see what what we can do in order to uh, raise the church into her game of really supporting uh, those children. And if people want to know more without committing themselves to anything, you've got a website? Absolutely. We've got a website, homeforgood.org.uk. And there are so many of us, both in our inquiry team, and the wonderful regional teams that we have as well that would be so up for talking with people and helping them explore whether this is for them. Tom, that's been absolutely brilliant. Thanks a million. You've been listening to the Backstory Podcast with Steve Legg and friends. Catch you next time.